Good morning, everyone. Um, I just want to share with you how thankful I am to be uh, a part of this church family. I mean, it is just a place that everywhere you look, um, from the bedside of the terminally ill to the front lawn of our church, is just displayed with such deep, deep love. At the, even as something, like I said, as simple as a church picnic, I heard your intentional conversations. I just listened closely as people were talking with one another. I watched how you laughed and, and played together and how you sought the stranger so that if there's anybody that you didn't know or somebody who looked like they were alone, you invited them into your space. It's just an incredible blessing. I see it in the joy that you have to serve. I know John Armour uh, told me multiple times how grateful he was that we invited him to cook hamburgers and hot dogs last week. And then Scott Sands was so faithful to kind of be a sous chef and be him right there and, and help. Michael Haverdink was leaving town the next day for vacation. I would have stayed home, made sure I had everything packed, but he was here with Lance Landusky setting up huge outside air conditioners in the front yard and then standing over a hot grill to cook more hamburgers and hot dogs in the sun while we were sitting in the shade with the air conditioning. So, and I know they do all that because they really love this church family. It's, it's an honor for them. In fact, it brings them joy to be able to do that. As I mentioned last week, just the, the work that the Christies did to pull off a, a week of adventure camp that was absolutely amazing. And then the very next week to begin a VBS uh, on Sunday mornings. And I want you to know that they do that because they genuinely love your kids. I'll walk by their office and just hear them brainstorming about new ways that they can invest into the lives of your kids so that they can know and see the love of Christ more clearly. And really, that's true of all the staff. What, what everybody does here, from leading worship to what I have a chance to do on Sunday morning, truly is a privilege that is built on a genuine love for this amazing church family. Bottom line, you're an amazing group of people. And I would go so far to say, if you're looking for a church home, um, we would invite you to be a part of this church family. We are not perfect by any means. We've got plenty of flaws and, and struggles that we face, but man, it's a place that is filled with such deep, deep love. And what a privilege it would be to invite you into that with us. But with all that being said, I want to remind us that that blessing of love is something that we must not take for granted. This morning, we're going to be looking at another one of Paul's letters that he writes to the Ephesian church, which Ephesian church, in my opinion, is a lot like ours. You'll remember from last week when Brian was teaching, he said that, that Paul writes and commends them for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their love for all the saints, which really echoes what I just shared with you. It's what I see over and abundantly within this church family. But then I want you to fast forward to the book of Revelation, where Jesus addresses seven specific churches, the first one being the church of Ephesus. And he begins by commending them for their, for their sound doctrine, for their enduring faith. He praises them for their ability to recognize those who, who claim to follow Christ but who compromise his truth. 
But then he delivers a sobering criticism. Despite all this good that's going on in this church, he, has, he says, I have one thing against you. He says, you've left your first love. They were guardians of their truth, but their, but their lives were no longer marked by love. Their heads were full, but their hearts were empty. And we must be careful not to let the same thing happen to us. We need to realize that love is like a muscle. It has to be exercised. It has to be used in order to remain strong. I used to tell my patients when I was practicing physical therapy, I said, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. <laughs> if you've seen anyone or had a, uh, been in a situation where you've been bedridden, it's, it's really not fair how fast you lose it compared to how long it takes to gain it. And the same is true for love. So we need to listen closely to Paul's prayer, protecting the priority of our love for Jesus Christ, knowing that that is the, the lifeblood of our love for one another. What, what Paul says to the Ephesian church should resonate deeply with us. Let's listen closely. Before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you have our attention. Our hearts are inclined towards you. Our ears are open. We're listening. As we hear this prayer that Paul speaks to this church, I ask, Lord, that it would resonate deeply within us as a prayer that is prayed for this body of believers. That what is said of them would be true of us. That we would live this out faithfully. That we would take it to heart. And that our lives would be impacted by what we see and what we hear this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. So if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Um, and love for you to follow along with me. I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. So Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want to pause there and remind us that, that really the first three chapters of Paul's letter have, have been devoted to trying to explain and unpack the, the incredible mystery of God's redemptive love. A mystery that was previously hidden within the prophet, prophecies of the Old Testament that has now been made known through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Revealing that that even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that we have been made alive together with Christ. That we have been rescued from the domain of darkness. And we have been adopted into the family of God. If, if you were to look at that first chapter, it is packed with such amazing truth. And it talks about how we have been chosen by the Father. How we have been saved by the Son. How we have been sealed by the Spirit from, from start to finish. Our salvation is a miraculous work of God. And, and our salvation is ultimately a response of faith in what all 
God has done. In receiving his gift of grace, which Paul describes in chapter 1, he says that, that gift of grace which has been lavished upon you. He holds nothing back. It's the belief that that plan of redemption was established from before the world began. Paul says such that in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, he says, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. See, this is the reason that Paul can now go boldly before the throne on behalf of the Ephesian people. He can and approach that throne of grace with confidence. But, but I want you to notice that he does so with such a humble posture. He says, bowing his knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. Here's where Paul acknowledges the authority of God as our creator. We are made in his image. It reminds me of when an artist completes a painting, a work of art, and then he gives it a name. And as an artist, he has that right because that's his creation. And in the same way, God is our creator. We are his work of art. And he has given us a name. That is our true identity. One that we don't create for ourselves, but one that we receive from him. Which is so opposite from what we hear in the world today. Which tells us that we choose our identity. That we are ultimately the authority of our lives. Which isn't true. Because sinful people lead to ruined lives. But God has so much, so much more in mind. So much better that he intends for us. He wants to flourish in who he created us to be. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and not just normal, everyday, boring life. He says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly to the full. He wants you to flourish in his love. Knowing this, Paul prays that we would be strengthened through God's Spirit according to the riches of God's grace. And this is important. Because what he's saying here is that God intends to bless us out of the abundance of his own character and attributes. This is not something that we earn. It is something that he graciously bestows upon us. Tells us indwell, uh, empowering us by the indwelling work of the Spirit in our inner man. Okay, that, that's our true identity, our, our true being, the very essence of who we are. And here's why, and this is important, because this is the heart of Paul's prayer. He says, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. The very goal of our devotion is to deepen our understanding and experience of the living Christ in our everyday lives. To know him, to be known by him, to, to make him known in, in such a way that our lives increasingly become like his. If, if you were to condense Paul's prayer into one single idea, that's it. That you may know Christ, that you may be known by him, that you may make him known. Look how he goes on in the second part of verse 17. He says, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, 
may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Paul prays that we may become more like Christ by experiencing the depth of his love. And he employs two important important metaphors to, to kind of convey that message. The first one's from agriculture. The second one's from architecture. The first one kind of gives me this idea of a tree that's, that's rooted and, and grounded. It, it sinks its roots deep into the soil. That's where it gets its strength and stability. It's how it is nourished to grow healthy and strong. And he's, he's taking that image and he's telling us that, that we are to be rooted and grounded into the very depths of God's love through faith in Jesus Christ. It's what we need to be healthy and strong in our faith. And any tree that is healthy and strong will ultimately bear fruit. Good trees bear good fruit. And and that's how we share the love of Christ with those around us from that fruit that we bear in our lives. Lives that should be built on a foundation of God's love. A solid, immovable rock that, that is unlike the shifting sands of our world. It's how we stand firm in the storms of life. It's it's how we provide refuge for those around us. It's dynamic because things that are rooted and grounded are able to grow. But I want you to notice this growth doesn't happen in isolation. Paul prays that we might comprehend, look at it, with all the saints, which means that our growth comes from our interdependence upon one another. It reminds me of one of my favorite things to do in Colorado. I've mentioned this before, so forgive me for repeating it, but I just love it. We were there just recently, and I love walking through an aspen grove. It's just one of the most beautiful places on earth, in my opinion. These tall, majestic, white trees with these leaves that are just like waving at you as you walk by. And, and no matter how big or small those trees may be, the fact of the matter is, it's actually one single tree connected by a single root system in which they are rooted and grounded and grow and nourished into the beauty that becomes a blessing to everyone that sees them. And the same should be true for us. We are aspen trees, rooted and grounded in God's love growing together as we deepen our understanding of Christ's love for us. And yet, Paul says, it's a love that cannot be fully comprehended. He says, so that we may know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, which is an interesting statement, isn't it? To know something that you can't know. But I think what that's trying to tell us is that that this is a boundless love. This is a love that knows no limits, So that no matter how much you've experienced, there's always more to be discovered. It's much like the oceans on our planet. You know, as much as I love nature shows, right? And I love listening to all the marine life and the ecosystems and all that they've discovered. But did you know that there is still 80% of our oceans that have never been mapped, explored, or even seen by a human being? We've just scratched the surface. 
And the same is true of the love of Christ. In fact, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that eternity is not even long enough to explore the limits of Christ's love for us. This is a love that surpasses knowledge. And that also tells us that it's a love that is not just explained. It must be experienced because sometimes there are things that are just too good for words, right? I experience this in my home whenever I sit down for a meal that my wife cooks because she's an amazing cook. And sometimes she'll mix up something new and she'll ask, well, what do you think? Do you like it? And the only thing that can come out of my mouth is, mm, 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 mm. It's not a word, right? But everyone else who's sitting at the table wants some of what I just had because it's that good. And the same should be true in our love for Christ. It's so much more than what we can put in the words, but it has the power to transform our lives in such a way that when people see it in you, they should want some of what you have. It's a love so rich. Paul says that it fills you with all the fullness of God. This made me think of one of those Russian dolls that you open up and inside of it is another doll and then you open that and inside it's another. It's just like it goes on and on and on. I think Paul is trying to say the same thing about discovering the love of God that we see in the life of Jesus Christ. A love that it helps us to, to experience his infinite mercy. And then we open that up and we see his saving grace. And then we open that up and we see his sovereign power. And it goes on and on and on. The love of Christ is what leads us into an understanding of the fullness of God. A love that cannot be fully explained. But Paul says it can be fully experienced. Look again at verse 19. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. And he goes on. Now to him who is able to do abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. At this point in his prayer, it kind of reaches a crescendo and he just kind of launches into this hymn of praise. It's as if he's so full of the goodness of this truth, there's only one thing he knows to do. Worship. Because Paul knows he's barely scratched the surface. He's just dipped his toe in the water. There's still far more than we can ask or imagine. All made possible because of that power that Paul says that is at work within us even now. Again, not a power that we wield. This is a person that we know. This is the power of Christ's love made made known through the work of the Spirit. And and Jesus told us that he would give us a counselor. This is is that wonderful counselor who leads us into the knowledge of the truth of who Christ is and what he's done and the depths of his love. Again, this is not just some collection of facts. This is a person. It's the idea of being captured by a great affection. See, the heart of this prayer is to know and follow Jesus. Because he is the way. He is the truth. He's the life. Knowing him is how we find healing. It's how we find hope. Knowing him is how we find freedom of 
uh, from sin and the struggles that we all face. This is not some power that we employ to to overcome lust or some strategy that we engage in over to, to restrain anger. It's this idea of being captured by a greater affection so that our love for Jesus absolutely overwhelms our desire for sin. In fact, the more we grow in our depth of love for Jesus, the more hatred we have towards sin because of what it draws us away from. It's being captured by a greater affection. That's the power that is worked within us. That's the power of the Spirit leading us into a deeper experience of Christ's love. A life-transforming love that ultimately, Paul says, brings glory and honor to God. And he tells us this is what should be revealed in the church. He says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It is our collective testimony. Don't miss this. Our collective testimony that tells the complete story of Jesus' love. Because not only do we grow through a personal relationship with Christ, but we share that love of Christ with those around us, with one another. As we share life together, we we share the love of Christ with one another. That's an important part of how we grow in our knowledge and understanding. It's our collective story that tells the complete story of God's love for us. God's people reveal God's glory through the power of God's Spirit leading us to a deeper understanding of Christ's love. See, that's the first love, the love that we should never, never leave. And so I want us to kind of close up this morning by thinking about, well, how do we protect that? That love of being known by Christ, of knowing Christ, of of making Christ known. What does that look like? Well, the first thing I would encourage you to consider is that we need, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to cultivate an abiding walk with Christ. You've heard me say this before, but I want you to, I want it to be just ingrained in your mind, learning to linger in God's presence without being in a hurry to leave. That's what it means to abide in Christ, sinking your roots deep into the truth of his word so that your life is shaped by a biblical worldview. And to see what that looks like, let me encourage you to take some time this week to read Psalm 119. Now, if you're familiar, it's a long one, and so it's okay. Spread it throughout the week, because when you do, I want you to make note of some words that that the author, David, is using to describe his engagement with God's Word. He's going to use words like restore, revive, delight. And I want you to pay particular attention to how he describes that, and let the psalmist teach you how to engage with the truth of God's word, not as an academic exercise, but an encounter with a living truth that breathes life into your soul. Because here's the deal. If our lives are not grounded in God's word, we will leave our first love. The other thing that I want to encourage you to remember is that people don't grow in isolation. 
See, the Christian life is more than reading your Bible. That's an important part of it, but it's incomplete. So if you want to deepen your love for Jesus, then deepen your love for community. Live in relationship with one another. Because what we do here on Sunday morning is not enough. Showing up here and then carrying on with the rest of your week is insufficient. Okay? You need to be engaged in a small group. You need to be involved in region. You need to interact with one another throughout the week. Sharing lives with each other. Whatever you do, don't let the busyness of life draw you away from deep community. If you're not walking with all the saints, then your faith will ultimately be fragile. Your roots will be shallow. God designed the body to flourish in the fellowship of the saints. If you are not connected to deep community, you will leave your first love. Be grounded in God's truth. Be committed to God's people. And then finally, deepen your love for Jesus. In order to do that, you need to share your story. That's one of the greatest questions I heard at the picnic this last weekend. Somebody was meeting somebody new, and one of the things they said was, tell me your story. That's a great thing to say. Tell me your story. It reminds me of that hymn of, um, that says, I love to tell the story, will be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of, here it is, of Jesus and his love. That's your story. And if we want to grow and be strong and, and, and rooted and grounded, we need to be able to consistently share our story. It, it points others to where they find healing and hope, but it's just important for us because it reminds us of his mercy and grace toward us. We need to tell our story. Because if we don't tell our story, we will leave our first love. So be grounded in God's word. Be committed to God's people. Be faithful to tell your story. And most importantly, please don't leave here this morning without understanding the incredible depth of the love that Jesus Christ has for you. It is a love that rescues you from your sin. It is a love that heals your deepest hurts. It is a love that relieves your anxieties and gives you hope. It is a love that is far beyond you could, anything you could ever ask or imagine. And no matter how much of that love you experience, there's infinitely more to be discovered. It's how you're strengthened. It's how you're grounded. It's how you're filled with all the goodness of God. So is... Paul reminds, or as the writer of Hebrews uh, reminds his people, he says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him denied the shame, enduring the cross, and is seated at the right hand of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because the Bible is so very clear. It says that in him we live and move and have our being. In him we have redemption. In him we have an inheritance. In him we have boldness. In him we are built together in love. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together, including you and me. Apart from him, we can do nothing. He is our everything. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we want to confess 
that very often we lose sight that, that apart from you, we can do nothing because we try to do lots of things without you. And Father, it's so easy to get distracted in, in, in kind of putting things off to the side that are really most important in our life. So Lord, may we protect the blessing of the love that we experience within this body of believers. May we not forsake our gathering together. May we consider how to stir one another towards love and good deeds. May we be grounded in the truth of your word. May we be committed to the community that you've called us to. May we be faithful to share our story so that our lives bear fruit and share that love of Christ with those around us. Lord, help us every day to discover the infinite depths of your love that goes far beyond anything we could ask or imagine. We pray this in your name. Amen. So today my youngest son turns 18, and uh, last night we had a group of his friends over, and it was beautiful because each of them, one by one, took time to share things that they appreciated about him and how they saw the evidence of God's love in him. It was beautiful. And when I see something like that, I think that's the trademark of the Christian church. That's what we should be about. So I want to encourage you this week to sit down with somebody that you really love and appreciate and tell them why. Tell them what you see. Tell them how you see God at work in them. And see what that might not not only do for them, but what it does for you when you speak those words. Will you do that? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for the beautiful love of this church family because of the amazing love and grace that we ultimately receive from you. We give nothing that we haven't already received from you. So Lord, help us to be faithful in receiving that love to share it with those around us our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, those who have yet to come to faith, Lord, may we be faithful to tell the story of your love. Lord, thank you so much for making that so clear day by day, moment by moment, more than we can ask or imagine for all eternity. We pray this in your name. Amen.